All of you great listeners of this station, a station that always beams and religious music. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I'm going to speak about Parashat Vayit Hanam, which we read yesterday. In the very first Pasuk, Moshe Rabbeinu is praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in order to let him go in into Eretz Yisrael. He said, and I prayed to Hashem at that time, Lemur, to sing. Now, in this Pasuk, which only has six words, the Ola Haim HaKadosh he has four questions on this pasuk. You know, the Ora Hayim, Allah Shalom, Rabbi Hayim and Atar. As a matter of fact, uh, about four weeks ago, on a Sunday, the 15th of Tammuz, that was the, his Askara, the anniversary of his Petira. And I happened to be in Eris Israel at that time. So I went. To, I went to the Harazetim where he's uh, where he's buried over there. And you wouldn't believe hundreds and hundreds of people that were there. It was full. Cars could not get in. Only buses were allowed to come in. And the majority of the people that were there, believe it or not, were the Hasidim. The Hasidim came. I know many synagogues of the Hasidim, they actually learned the Ora Hayim. And his pirush is magnificent. Well, he has four questions here. Va'it Hanan. Rashid tells us that there are ten ways of saying the word tefillah, prayer. Tehina, tefillah, rina. And so he asks a question, why the word tehina? Why is the Vait Hanan? Vait Palel Hashem. Why you know why 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 use the, the word Vait Hanan? The second question that he asks is El Hashem. Of course, of course Moshe Rabbi is praying to Hashem. What why does he have to say El Hashem? Vait Hanan Baita Ilimur. Why El Hashem? And third question, Baitahi, at that time. What time? Doesn't say anything. What time is talking? What is Moshe Rabbeinu talking about? It's not really Beferush over here. And why that time is any better than the year before that? Lemur, to say what? Normally, by the Bel Hashem and Moshe Lemur, to say over to somebody else. Over here, just a Lemur. And then it, it says, Ata, Hilota, and so on and so forth. So, what? What's this lemur about? The Ora Hayim Akadosh tells us the following: Why? Here, Moshe Rabbeinu is asking Akadosh Baruch Hu to get tell. He's asking from him a favor for nothing. Like Rashi says, Matanat Hinam, Et Hanan Melashon Tehina. Something that is 
just because for, for nothing. We want HaKadosh Baruch to do something for us. Like a pauper. You know, there is a certain poem on Rosh Hashanah which uh, starts with Hashem Shamati Shemacha Yareti. And towards the end it says, Ane Ani Haomer Lefanecha. Answer this poor man who's standing in front of you, Kedal Shoel. Like a pauper who's asking, Mevakesh Sedihatecha. We are asking your forgiveness. In other words, this is like a poor man who knocks at your door. He wants something, and it's up to you. If you have if you have Rahmanu to give him, if not, not there's no obligation here. There's no obligation for Akash to do anything for us. So we're asking him as a matanat hinam. And Rashi says that too. That's why Hanan. El Hashem. He says, this is telling us, it's teaching us something. When we pray, we always pray directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help us. You don't go through a Sadiq, you don't go through a Malach, you don't go to a Sadiq and say, please Sadiq, give me money, give me Panasa. No way. No one can do anything, only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We pray to Hashem directly. And if you go to a Sadiq, only with the zechut of a Sadiq. When we go to Kevarot, the Kevarot of the great Sadiqim, we don't say, you that Sadiq give me, do me, do this, do this for me. No. We say with the zechut of the Sadiq. Only HaKadosh Baruch can give. And they, they, I, I, I heard once a, a little anecdote about uh, a Rebbe uh, whose sister came. She didn't have children for quite a while. And she asked her brother, Rebbe, please, give me children. I need children. Do something. Give me children. He said to her, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And she cried to him, I can't help you. So she went out. The Shamash was there, heard all they couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe his ears. But she went out to the office and went... Uh, the next door, there was a uh, the Bit Knesset. It's right there. And she goes to the Hechal and she appeals to Hashem and cries to Him, Please, Akadosh Baruch Hu, help me. I should have children. Help me. And she cries, Mamash, with Ma'ot. When the Rebbe heard that, he told the Shamash, Go over to my sister, tell her to come here. She comes and he gave her a beracha. He told her, before you came to me, that I should give you children. I, I can't give you children. But now that you want to Hashem directly, and I saw that you are praying to Him directly, now I give you a beracha. Only a Kadush Baruch Hu can do things. The third question, Ba'etahi. At that time, what time are we talking about? This is the time right after Sihon and Og, meaning the war. Moshe Rabbeinu went into war fighting Sihon and Og. They acquired, they captured some territory. And that territory could be considered also part of Eretz Israel. The Bikurim that come from there, actually the first fruits that come from there 
חייבים to take them to to the Beit HaMikdash. So, when Moshe Rabbeinu, he realized, so they, see, now I'm here. If I'm here, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu let me in here, so maybe, maybe I can go into Israel already. This is like a, a part, sort of part of Israel. So maybe the Gezerah was nullified. And this is what Rashi says, now that we captured the land from Sihon, maybe the Nether, the, the Gezerah, maybe she got nullified. So that's why, what does that mean, Lemur? The Ora Haim Kadosh is telling us, Lemur meaning when you asking something from a Kadosh Baruch Hu, verbalize it, say it clearly. Don't just say, help me. What do you need, Panasa? A Kadosh Baruch Hu, help me to have a Panasa. You want children? You ask specifically. Ask for children. You ask for good shit. You want good shit, then you ask them straight, straight to the point. Not stop. Don't beat around the bush. Say exactly what you want. This is what the Orahaim Kadosh says about this Pasuk. But there's another thing that we learn from the next two Pesukim because Moshe Rabbeinu says, Ata hilota et abdecha et godlecha. First he's praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the greatness of Hashem and so on and so forth. And then he says, let me let me go into the land of, of Israel. This teaching teaches us that before we ask from Makadush Baruch Hu anything, we have to praise Hashem. And this is what our tefillah, the Amidah that we have all the time. The first the first two paragraphs talk about the greatness of Hashem. Before we go to Atahonel Adamdat, Rifa'inwa, before we ask anything, what do we say? First we give greatness to HaKadosh Baruch. We learned it from Moshe Rabbeinu. And then, then we ask for what we have to ask. This is, this is an important principle that we have. Now, the uh, Imre Shammai says, if you, I mean, you must have heard that Moshe Rabbeinu, he prayed 515 tefillot. 515. The word Vaithanan, the numerical value is 515. So he prayed 515. So he, he says something very interesting. He says, how do we get, how do we use 515? Where did, where did this come from? So he, he made the following cheshbon. The following accounting. He said he started from Tubeab. Tubeab is like tomorrow's Tubeab, actually. The 15th of Av is Tabit. Tubeab is Mesugal. Kalumitemidvar. Whoever, in other whoever, after the Tubeab, the last year, the 40 years, whoever was alive was able to go into Eris Israel. So that's the day where. The people, whoever stayed there, they were able to go into Israel. So he started at that time. But when you make a hishbun, 
from Tu Be'av all the way up until Shiv'a Be'adar. Now we know that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu passed away Shiv'a Be'adar. So you made a Heshbon of those days, you get exactly 200 days. Of course, he was praying three times a day, like all of, like all of us. Right? But the 200 days, you have to remove from that 28 Shabbatot. The Shabbat, on Shabbat, we're not supposed to ask things for ourselves. That's why we don't have a tahonel and Hashem Hashem. We don't have that in Shabbat. On Shabbat, we don't ask for our own needs. During the week, yes, not on Shabbat. So that leaves us with 172. Times 3 is 516. But he started on Tubiav in the morning. The night before doesn't count, so now you have one less. That's 515. He says, we have exactly 515. Now, the next thing that comes up, the next paragraph in the parasha, something very interesting that I would like to amplify on. And it says, Lotosifu ala davar, do not add to this, meaning to the Torah, that I am commanding you, and do not omit, do not remove any. Don't add, and do not remove. We're not supposed to. Asur. Now you might say, okay, I cannot remove. How come I cannot add either? Let's say you work in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a company and your boss and there's like a, 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 your boss tells you, I want you to do ten tasks. And you go ahead and you do 12. You're going to get a reward. If you do 8, no good. Uh, you, you know, you can, he can blame you for that. Unless you do more. You say, oh, great. You, you deserve an attaboy. But you see, when it comes to the misword of the Torah, it's different. If, God forbid, we allow human beings the power to Adam as well, eventually he's going to think, hey, I can add. Why can't I subtract? I can add. <laughs> Maybe I have the power to remove also. You can't. The 613 mitzvot that we have in the Torah is like a formula that all intertwine and work together. Think of it as, let's say, take a, take a, a medicine, uh, something that everybody knows, penicillin, for example. Penicillin has some kind, I don't know, maybe eight or ten ingredients in there. If I take away one ingredient, or if I add one ingredient, it's not penicillin anymore. Something else. You can't. The formula is that formula which is all intertwined. They all work together. You remove one, or you add one, then you don't have the original. It's gone. You have something else, but not the original. This is the difference between us and other countries. Now, let me explain that. You know, every country has its own set of laws. They have laws. They have a civil code. There's laws about marriages. There's more laws about divorces, inheritance, real estate, traffic laws, torts. Uh, someone hurts another one, there's laws. How are laws made? How, how, are, they, how are they? Laws are being are passed by whom? Well, Let's say the U.S. We have a Congress. They pass the laws. Who are these? Human beings. There are laws on the federal level. 
There's laws on a state level, and there's law on a city level. Human beings do it. But what happens? They make laws one day. Next day, maybe they'll keep them. Maybe they'll remove them. They'll change their mind. It was good for yesterday, but it's not good for today anymore. And here's some an example. I'm gonna, I, I, I'll give you an, an example, which is like a famous example. Let's say in 1920, the federal government, the Congress, passed a law called the prohibition, prohibition of alcohol. You cannot manufacture alcohol. Then the next 13 years, they saw it was a mapala. It just didn't work. There were gangsters, people making it and selling it at 10 times the price. The tax revenues were not coming in. It just didn't work. 13 years later, 1933, they repealed it. It didn't work. We don't want it anymore. Take something like abortion. At one time, years back, abortion was prohibited. Then it was allowed. And then now, some states allow it, some states don't allow it. This is the kind of laws that are made by human beings. Our laws are made from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They're divine. We have a Torah Shebikhtav and we have a Torah Shebikhtav which is the Gemara. In the Gemara we have all kinds of laws that are discussed over there. They're all discussed. Everything is discussed. So what happens about things that are not discussed. Well, for example, let's say electricity. There's the demand. There was no electricity. Right? There was no electricity. On the Desdegimara, there was no uh, microwave. All right? So, what's what's the halakha of the electricity on Shabbat? What's the halakha microwave? In the Gemara, there's not that. What happens something uh, like... Uh, uh, a, a baby taste too, for example. All right, uh, th- th- this is uh, the, th- this is something very very important nowadays because a baby come out that, that that's born from a test tube. Uh, if the father don't the father, let's say is a kohen, is the baby a kohen? Can he go to birkat kohanim? Can he do pidyon ben? Well, it's not so simple. All right, so these things didn't exist, but that is the koah of a great posek. When you talk about a great posek, like Hacham Abadi Yosef Shalom, or Harab Moshe Feinstein Shalom, they will delve into the Gemara and they will find some basis on how to answer those questions. They'll find the basis for it. And they'll give you, there's a whole write-up about electricity. Of course, there are different opinions. Electricity on Shabbat, electricity on Yom Tov. But the point is, the Gemara, even though not every single novelty has not been discussed expressly, but the koah, the power of a great posek is to be able to give a ruling on that based on the Gemara, based on the Torah. Well, what happens with cases, various different cases. Now, 
it's obvious that the Torah cannot tell us about the millions and millions of different cases that come up. Uh, you know, two people have a problem. No case is the same as the other one. The, the Torah is not going to tell, okay, if, in this case, is there, this case, is, okay, you can't do that. I mean, there are millions of them. Interestingly enough, the Maharsha says the following. He says there is an all-inclusive statement in the Torah that takes care of that. Where is that? Today's parasha. He says, Ve'asita hayashar ve'hatov be'ene Adonai elokecha. You shall do whatever is good and upright in the eyes of Hashem. Not in your eyes, because your eyes, if it's, if it's your brother, you're going to say, hey, it's good, it's okay. Something that is good in the eyes of Hashem. Something is not a case which is not clear. Then you ask yourself, if I do this, this, and that, will Hashem be pleased with it? Will he be happy with it? Now, some cases are not specifically written, but, hey, the Hachamim were very smart. And sometimes they have to use their Sechel. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. This is a true, a true anecdote. A young man has been saving, all his life savings put into a purse, and he went asking for a job He's talking about a couple hundred years ago in the days in Europe where the Jews, miskenim, they were not allowed to do just whatever they wanted. The goyim and mashimah would not let them do any kind of work they want. So a lot of them had what they call an inn, like a lodge, like a small little hotel where people can come in and down in the cellar they had huge amount of wine and liquor. So this young man comes he asks for a job. He gives him a job. Oh, yeah. So he goes way down to the cellar where there's dozens and dozens of big barrels of wine. He goes all the way to a corner over there and he puts his uh, his purse like inside the wall there. Oh, yeah. Every now and then he goes down and he checks on it. After a few months, one day he goes down. It's not there. Not there anymore. So he figures, who else could be going there? His boss. So he goes to the boss. He says, I had a purse over there. All my life savings are over there. Please, give it back to me. What are you talking about? What purse? He starts screaming and crying. and Please, give back. Listen, you don't keep quiet. I'm calling the police on you. The man was beyond himself. He was stunned. What's he going to do? His life, his life said, i gone. He goes to the rob of the town. Now, he goes to the rob of the town. He tells him the story. So now, if you were the rabbi yourself, someone comes to you with such a, a, a story. Do you have any evidence? No evidence. Uh, yeah, I, all he knows is there was 520, exactly 520 rubles there. Well, you know, that's that's a big amount in those days. You have any receipt, anything, no, nothing. So what are you going to say? Nothing. You can't, you know, there's no way that you can blame the, the host for this, right? 
put the asita hayashar ve'atov. Sometimes you have to go do what's right. So the rabbi was smart. He called in the uh, owner of the inn. He knew that this owner was not a straight guy. He knew about that. And he says to he tells him, okay, you know, this is, they got lost it, and you know, what, what? So the owner says, oh, are you suspecting me that I stole the money? Oh, no, I'm not suspecting you. But uh, who goes down there? Well, he says, yeah, well, uh, the worker goes there and he goes there. There's only two people go there. So, so if you didn't take it, and he doesn't have it. Then someone from outside took it. Of course. But the majority of the people here are goyim. It means that a goy went downstairs. And he had barrels and barrels of wine. If a goy went downstairs. And with all those barrels of wine. He touched this one. We don't know what he touched. And all those barrels of wine are non-kosher. You have to take them. Throw them down the drain. Every one of them in the street. And this Shabbat, I'm going to announce, no one can buy from you any wine until all those barrels are gone. Now you can imagine how this guy felt. Uh, You're talking about not 500 rubles, maybe uh, 5,000 rubles involved here. Now he became pale, and right away he said to the rabbi, yeah, yeah, I took it. I said, I thought, you know, I thought it was just there. You know, I took it. It was a ganav. This is an all-inclusive thing. i give you a little thing about Le'aimenu. The Midrash says that Le'aimenu, when she was pregnant with the seventh child, okay, it came out to be a girl, but it was supposed to be a boy. And she prayed to change it to be a girl. Why? Because she figured like this. She already had six boys. The maids had two, two. Right? So, uh, that's, uh, she knows it's going to be 12 boys altogether. If she has seven, it means that her sister, Rahel... It's going to have only one boy. Uh, she didn't want that. She didn't want to shame her sister that the maid should have more. So, she prayed to HaKadosh Baruch that that boy should become a girl. And she had dinner. But let me tell you how she was rewarded. Yeah, Leah. Leah was rewarded. Leah and Menu. How? Well, according to the Midrash, Dina, by having that uh, whole case with Shechem bin Hamur, she had a girl. And according to the Midrash, I don't want to go into it, the, the, uh, make the, the story short, that girl ended up to be adopted by Potiphar. And later on, when she grew up, she married Yosef at Sadiq. And from that marriage, you had Shebet Ephraim and Shebet Menashe, two Shebatim. 
And this is a, a whole story, but I'm making it very short. So Leah lost one Shevet. She was supposed to have a boy. She had this, she made a girl. But at the end, she was rewarded with two Shevetim. Ve'asita ha'yashar ve'hatov ve'ene Adonai Elokecha. This is a very important thing. Before you do anything, you go away. You may be hungry. There's no kosher food. What do you do? You ask yourself a question. If I do anything, will Hashem be pleased with it? If you hurt someone, or before you hurt, because you want something, think, is this going to be good in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch This is an all-inclusive statement to make sure we all do the right thing. We do what is yashar and what is good, what is pleasant in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch with something like that. We'll all be happy. We'll all be united. We'll all be shalom. And Be'azat Hashem will be rewarded with Be'at Mishahinu Be'karov Amen So I just want to remind you that this great station, try to do as much as you can. Try to make an effort to help contribute so that this station stays in the air. And if you have any simha, as I've been saying to you in the past, please talk to us. We have a beautiful, uh, uh, that has been recently renovated uh, social hall, nice ballroom. I'm sure we can accommodate you. Shabbat Tov. Yisko Lishanim Rabot.